This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the MK1 podcast. Uh, Unfortunately today there's not the usual three of us, Liam can't make it due to work commitments, Um, so I'm afraid that you're going to be left with just myself, Joe and Ross. Ross, how are you getting on mate? Have you recovered uh, from the uh, our lovely journey to Fleetwood and back on Tuesday night? Yeah, just about. I think uh, the veg are being a game so close, Ipswich. um... It's all hands on deck at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, you will come on to Fleetwood a little bit later on. Uh, I think uh, Ross uh, pretty much made that game uh, by Red Bull only. Um, so, yeah, so uh, yeah, certainly uh, not one for the faint-hearted, but I'm glad we went. I'm glad we went. Um, before we get on to the Fleetwood game, uh, we had a game on Saturday. Um, we went up to second position briefly, or no, up to third position, I believe, wasn't it? Um, and, uh, you know, it was a, a fairly impressive uh, 2-1 victory against Lincoln. Um, I think that we weathered a bit of an early storm and played our way into it. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily have said we were at our best, Ross, but in the end, we got the job done. What were your overriding thoughts following the game on Saturday? I think it was an important victory in terms of, obviously, picking up points. I know um, Stadium MK, um, we've been struggling, especially with our home form against these teams who are in the bottom half. I know Burton was a bit of a slog. Um, Don and Caster, for example. And it was just key to get a victory at this stage, uh, especially against the, this Lincoln side. Um, we saw how dangerous they were in that first half, especially with that high press. I felt Appleton um, put us under, well, his tactics, for, for example, in that first half was spot on. And um, I felt uh, they restricted us to literally nothing really um and then um and then near on the end of the half i believe it was um theo um had a pot shot from the edge of the box 
uh, on his right foot and um, keeper parried it and he looked for some, for some reason I don't understand why he didn't try and catch it but yeah he parried it and it went up in the air and um, it all came from Harry Darling run from the back three and um, he followed him from the rebound and I felt like we really needed that goal after Mark Equise, um tapping in early on. Um, and then second half, I felt we were, we were a different side. I felt Manning had a good team talk and um, we had some real good control in that second half. Um, I believe we limited them to no shots on target, um, which is always a good thing. Um, and with obviously Lincoln, with, with the quality they've got within their squad, um, they can hurt you. So obviously reducing them to nothing's really good from a defensive point of view. Um, but my overriding thoughts were it was just pleasing to see us picking up points against a team we should be picking up points against. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I think, you know, it was important to get that win at home. Um, obviously, we had that win against AFC Wimbledon. But before that, we we have kind of struggled at home. We had the result against uh, Accrington, uh, Doncaster. Uh, sorry, not Accrington. We had the results against... Uh, um, Gillingham and Doncaster, which just really weren't quite where we needed to be. Um, but in terms of the game on Saturday, I wanted to just mention two things, really. First of all, I wanted to actually mention Lincoln. And I thought first half, I don't necessarily feel what we think we played badly, but I think Lincoln got their tactics spot on. I think whenever we were trying to play it out from the back, their press was absolutely, well, it was lethal. I looked at their lineup and I thought, you know, there's so many attacking players here. The most defensive midfielder there was Conor McGrandles. And we know that, you know, he loves to get forward as well. So it was a very athletic team. And I thought whenever, you know, we tried to switch the ball, they they all the all their players were on that side of the pitch. And I thought that they really, really made it difficult for us. And I think that, you know, it shows a lot that with the character that we had after, you know, conceding, let's face it, a poor goal. Uh you know, we shouldn't have been letting them get in across that easily. Um, and there was a few scares, but I think in the end, it does show a bit of um, a bit of steel about us to come back from that. And, you know, I think there was a, a stat in the week, Ross, I'm sure you saw it. I think we've got the most points in the league from losing positions. What, what do you think that's down to? Um, I think it's a never-die-say attitude sort of thing. With a young team, um, they'll fight to the end. I believe we saw that, obviously, against Burton. Um, I believe Twiney uh, mentioned it in his post-match. Um, there's Manning says it, it takes seconds to score a goal, and he's absolutely right. And I know, um, obviously, we'll touch upon it later on, but against Fleetwood, it didn't work out our way. But there's that was for one reason or another. But with this squad, um, you know what you're going to get, and that's grit, determination, and... Um, as I said earlier, never die attitude. And um, that's what you want if we're going to push on this season and uh, reach our aspirations for this season. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And um, I think nothing nothing really says uh, a never say die attitude than two centre-backs scoring. And I think if uh, for those that weren't at the game, if you saw two centre-backs scoring, you probably expected to see two corners or two free kicks. But I mean, for, for, I, th I thought that both the goals were unbelievable, to be honest. And I think that... You know, so the first one, Harry Darling goes on this merry little run and he just, he plays it out wide, ball comes into the box and he's just there to, to beat the uh, defender to the rebound from, from the save from the keeper. And then Warren O'Hara, almost similarly, he, he just charges forward and breaks, and I think crucially that caused the, the press to be broken from Lincoln. 
which we were struggling. We were playing around it, but they were they were keeping us out. So it took something special and something out of the ordinary from you know our defenders. And I think and uh, you know Warren Ahura charged forward, played a great one-two with Troy Parrott. Troy Parrott had the presence of mind to almost slow it down and then get his head up, pick out the pass instead of you know he could have easily just just wellied it into the box and, and hope for the best. But no, really intelligent from Troy, um, and uh, who we'll come on to in a little bit. Um, and I think that when you are against teams that, you know, they're just trying to stop you. I think last season we almost had it where we could almost tell, you know, we'd be having 70% of the possession and we'd maybe end up with four shots in a game. I think that was crew away or something like that. And I think, uh, Ross, one thing we've seen this season is that the goals do come from ev- any everywhere. And um, it must be a nightmare for a, for an opposition team to try and defend against when we've got threats from all areas. I think, yeah, that's what the main thing Manning has brought into our game, um, especially set pieces. I feel we're a lot more dangerous from. Um, but also, in the same sense, you could say that's a bit of maturity from the lads um, or bravery, um, trying to have that, as you say, Warren Ahura, have that charge forward. And I must say... I know we're going to touch upon Parrot um, soon, but the cutback he 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 done on the goal, it's it's a it's a lot to be asking for, um, especially from such a young player. I believe he's only twenty, um, and as you say, Joe, he looked up and he saw Ihora and he's put it through the keeper's legs, and then um, as you say, it's it's moments like that when your strikers are being man marked or Twiney's being uh, double teamed, and space is created elsewhere, that's when you need them sort of players to pick up and chip in with the goals, as you say. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, you just mentioned Troy there, so I think we'll, we'll move on to him. I think, you know, in my opinion, uh, and I know there was a little bit on Twitter about this uh, the weekend, a striker doesn't necessarily have to score goals to be contributing to the team and playing well. And I think Troy, perfect. Troy, Troy Parrott is the perfect example of that. I think against Wickham, it was probably, you know, just as evident in terms of, you know, he's chasing down that back line. And when Lincoln and or Wickham's defenders have the ball, if you've got Troy Parrott charging down at you, going absolutely, you know, full pelt, you're not going to try and risk a sideways pass. You're going to be lumping it forward. And if we're winning those second balls, all of a sudden they've given up possession so cheaply. Um, Troy Parrott, again, he does the really unselfish work. He was, you know, sometimes when we were in a tight situation, he was there running down the channel and chasing down balls where, let's face it, he probably wasn't favourite to win. But I think that gave us a different dimension to our game and it almost allowed other people to come into it. And I think it's it's that dirty side of the game, which, you know, we've seen actually start seeing quite a lot this season. You know, we, we played some absolutely cracking football and first and foremost, we will look to try and play football. But, you know... You know, I've heard it called the donkey work before. And my my goodness, Troy Parrott is now putting in uh, a shift every game. And I think it's, you know, to the benefit of the team. We've seen Twiney recently score quite a fair few goals. We've seen Theo Corbin have a lot of success. And I don't think that comes without Mo or Troy working really hard in that striker role. So, you know, do, what, what do you think about the striker role in general in this setup? And uh, and also, you know, Troy and Mo's contributions in the last four four games or so? I think it's just a case of um, leading by example. Um, if you if they're leading a line and they're busting the gut, the others are going to follow. I know Twiney, he busts his ass off each game. And um, I think Troy's, um, in my eyes, 
for January. His head slightly dropped. Um, and personally, I feel like he's been like a new signing in a way. Um, he's 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 put all them critics to one side, and he's he thought he's thought about him, himself, and he's he's trusted Manning and Co. to um, for his development, and um, he's just getting on with it, and it's nice to see. And um, he's not complaining about where he's playing. He can play up top on his own. He can play out on the wing, and he's really starting to become a key member in this team. And yes, we mentioned obviously. Uh, we need the whole squad um, for this if we are to push on. Um, and he's contributing to that. And um, I hope it does continue. And um, the only bad thing uh, I've got to say about it is I think he deserves a lot more goals in his play. Um, I know, obviously, Fleetwood, he missed a quite a big chance. But I, I do feel like the goal is going to come. And let's hope that's on Saturday. Absolutely, absolutely. And... Uh... Another thing on Troy as well, just quick, just to end, um, I think Liam Manning deserves some credit as well because he almost called out Troy when Troy got, he got a very silly red card and uh, I think it was the Papa John's trophy. So I think that, you know, for him to to actually go to the player and almost, you know, he, he, Troy was out of the team for a while. So obviously Liam Manning's handled the situation quite well and Troy's responded to that. So, you know, good. I think it's just good, good all round. Um, nothing's been, you know, he's not, he's not, he might have had a stop for a few weeks, but it looks like he's really got his head down now. And uh, it's great to have him part, back part of this team. I think that rounds us off for the Lincoln uh, uh, recap. Uh, so moving on to Tuesday's, Tuesday night's uh, foray up into the northwest of England, Fleetwood Town. Um, well, yeah, it, it was some journey. Uh, up there, and uh, it, it seemed to be rewarded straight away with a, a set piece goal. On you know, let's let's have it off, have it straight. That was an absolutely awful pitch. Um, I saw pit. We I, I remember I was in the passenger seat, Ross, and um, I was saying I've just seen pictures of the pitch, and I I'd be very would be so shocked if this game's called off. It was yeah, some in some areas. It really was an absolute bog. And I'm not sure how it picked up on iFollow, but the ball was not moving nicely at all. Um, but I mean, you know, as I say, we had a great start, great set piece goal. Twine, the ball was on a sixpence, and Harry Darling, I think he still, you know, he did, had still had a lot to do, but he used the pace of the ball to guide it into the far corner. And so, yeah, I think that was a lovely little reward for the uh, for the Dons fans travelling up. Um, and then the first half, we just saw it out really. You know, on again, it was a difficult pitch, but. We just did, just kept it away from our goal. We had a few little uh, little runs forward, but nothing major. And it was just fairly comfortable. Second half, I think, you know, they, they scored a goal from a cheap turnover in the middle. And then the guys running running in on goal. And, and um, you know, I think he catches coming off guard. Coming maybe thinks he's going to go across him and he goes to the near post. I mean, I'm sure he's probably hoping to do better there, but I don't think... You know, it was a good strike. Um, overall, I'd say a draw is not a bad result at all in the grand scheme of things. I think, you know, if you look at our record, I think we've lost one in the last 10 games, drawing two or three of them. So, you know, if you'd have offered us, I think it's 21 points from the last 10 games, you'd have taken that. That's, you know, over two points a game. That's promotion form. And as we've seen, this this recent run's got us right back in the mix. Um 
Ross, how was your experience of Fleetwood Town on Tuesday night? Uh, it, it was a very long one. Um, obviously, arriving back at back in Ketchering about I think it was about half one, two o'clock. Um, yeah, it was a long drive, um, but I wanted the game to go ahead, no matter what the conditions were. And I think the ref probably done the right thing and let it go ahead. It wasn't as bad in some areas as what as it was on the opposite side of the pitch. Um, but just on the result. I was really disappointed after the game because um, I felt like it was a missed opportunity. But then I know I, I put it in hindsight and thought the form we've been in, we can't really let a one-all draw away from home, bear in mind, with a poor pitch. You've got all these variables you need to put together. Um, and it, it is a good point, I've, I've got to admit. Um, and other teams did drop points. So um, in hindsight, um, I would have been happy with a point. Um, but it's just a start we had. I felt um, after Darling, um, Darling's goal, I felt that we would kick on. I don't didn't feel like Fleetwood really challenged us in that first half. Um, by the way, Matt Smith in that first half was my man of the, uh, man of the half. Um, I felt his touch was brilliant, and um, he was having the ideas of just trying to ping the ball out to Kessler or um, to Harvey, and. Yes, we can all blame the pitch, but at the end of the day, um, they got a point from the game and um, Fleetwood made it their sort of game in the second half and um, they made it, they tried to go long and I did feel bad for Darling was um, at times because that Ellis Harrison, which was up front for Fleetwood, he, he was a joke of a player. He, was, he wasn't necessarily... Man of the match for me. Oh, yes. Best player on the pitch, I think. He was absolutely phenomenal. He was he, he wasn't he wasn't the tallest of people, but he was using his body and strength. And with obviously Darling with his uh I call it his fat head when once he scored. Um, <laughs> um yeah, he 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 wasn't gonna be stopped. And um I, I do believe he's the reason why Fleet would have got something out of this game. But um I just wanted to touch upon the goal. You mentioned about how Cumming got caught out, but did the pitch have a platform? part to play in that because we saw how how easy the bounce was on that pitch and it it did glide like something else um so yeah one all draw it's a few miles in the tank um i, I probably would have took it a few miles out the t- a few <laughs> miles out the fuel tank as well right <laughs> oh yeah no yeah I, I i i think yeah you've summed it up quite well there and you know it really was a game of two halves in in, in that aspect and what do you think? Do you think it was more we tried to we we got complacent, or do you just think maybe Fleetwood up their levels a bit, and and maybe we just uh, just couldn't cope with that in the second half? I do feel like we tried to use the wings a lot more, uh, wingers, wing back, sorry, uh, in the first half a lot more, um, but in the second second half, I do feel like Manning probably told him to go a bit more direct, only due to the pitch. Um, I think we saw that when Wickham came on, um, tried to obviously go through the channels um, long. But at the end of the day, we, we, we can say it from the side of the pitch. We weren't actually on the pitch and we, we don't know how actually difficult it was to travel the ball. So I, I know I was in the second half, I was calling for Theo to come on. But then when I really thought about it, is it his type of game when the ball's sticking? No, not really. Um, you wanted a tall figure like Wickham and it was probably was the right substitution at the time. And um, yeah, overall, you just can't complain, can you? 
No, no, I agree. And I think, um, you know, so we, we had uh, t- two debuts to talk about as well, uh, Ross, straight into the into the starting lineup. Uh, so we had Kane Kessler, uh, right wing back. And I mean, I just want to say from the off, I feel sorry for these boys because it was not the easiest game to make your debut. Um, I thought Kessler, you know, we mentioned about him being a tricky wing back and he got into some cracking positions, but it was almost as if he was too fast for the ball at times. And this was almost a feature of a get of the game. And like you mentioned with Theo, you know, Theo, what does he love to do? He loves to kick the ball past his opponent and run faster than him. And that's that. And if he tried to do that on this on this pitch, Theo would be running way past the ball because the ball would have stopped five feet behind him. Um, so yeah, Kessler, I think he, he got in some really bright positions, put in a couple of really good balls, a couple of moments where he got caught out, but again. You know, I think one, it's his first game in a new team and a new system. And two, it just, you know, circumstances around the game. Um, and the same with Matt Smith. I thought Matt Smith, he showed some real quality. Um, just little stuff like one-twos with uh, people in and around him just to bypass the press. And then all of a sudden, the pitch opens up. He had a few nice switches. Um, and in my opinion, he, he looked really tidy. Um, second half, you know, the goal was... A cheap turnover from him, from him. He tried to play a quick ball, and I do think that you know on a better pitch, Kane Kessler Hayden he's beating people for fun and whipping balls in the box. And I do think Matt Smith he's playing those one twos and they come off. So again, very difficult circumstances to, for them to come into. But I thought you know solid six sevens out of ten for me for for both the new guys. And I think there's plenty more to come from them. Uh, what about you yourself, Ross? How do you how did you see the new boys? I thought Kessler looked really good um, early on, um, considering he's obviously 18. So he's he's going to make some rash decisions. And um, he did get caught out a few times. Um, but you, you can see there's a player there. And um, as you say, Joe, um, it seems like he wants to, wanted to take on his man, but he couldn't. But um, an outlet of the attack was uh, the darling um, sidewards ball or over the top ball to Kessler and it did excite me at times um got in some really good positions um and then for Smith as you say he first half he he, he was a joke some of the touches he was doing you could see that there's quality there um but in the second it's one of those um yeah it's one of those which defending on the, one of those pitches your legs get tired and all this, and um, maybe he just ran out of steam and um, just needed help for a substitution. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, I think one of the uh, big positives to come out of the game was uh, actually Matt Smith's partner in midfield. I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. Connor Coventry, for me, was it wasn't as good as Ellis Harrison, but for me, he was the MK Dons man of the match. And I think he reminds me of a, almost a a player from like say 10 15 years ago in terms of maybe like a, an old Steven Gerrard where you know it may maybe he hasn't got, quite got the attacking ability but he gets stuck in and one thing you always know of him he's going to put a solid pass like he's not going to dink it over but he's going to just get put his not put his foot through but a solid side pass that you know is is not not always safe but he's he, I think he does the basics so so well and on a pitch like it was um, on Tuesday, I think maybe the flair players maybe struggled a little bit to show their craft and their guile. And it did call for someone who who could almost just put his head down and get on with the things. 
And I think in each game, we've seen more and more and more from Conor Coventry. And I'm really actually pleased about that because I know he didn't play much football at Peterborough. So, you know, we've said it, we've said it so many times on this podcast. It's a funny thing what happens when players get a run in the team, when they're getting used to the players around him. And he's, let's not forget as well, this guy is like 20, 21. And he's playing alongside a wing back in Harvey, who's 23. He's playing behind, he's playing in front of, you know, Harry Darling, who's 22 or something, and Scott Twine ahead of him, who's 21. So, you know, he's surrounded by other young players. You know, he hasn't got, obviously, he got Lewington in there, but it's not as if he's having his hand held and being walked through it and you can ease him in. He's straight into the thick of it. And, you know, we've lost our, you know, we've lost Kasumu, we've lost Robson, we've lost O'Reilly, and he's having to really just, He's, 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 he's our cent- he was the central midfielder with the most appearances for us that played on Tuesday night and it was his fourth appearance so I, th- I think that tells you everything you need to know about how he's, he's just stepped up to the plate and he's not maybe going to get the headlines Ross but I think you know can you see the improvement game by game by Connor Coventry and, and what, what do you think he can bring to this team in the future I think he's, he's got a real good engine on him and that's what you need um, in the second half especially and when things weren't going our way, um, he got stuck in, as you say. He went over half of his ground jewels, which is pleasing. Um, but the most important trait for me is the fact that, obviously, we lost Kasumu, and he was so key in breaking up play and through the interceptions. And I, I just feel like Coventry brings that element to the table. Probably not as good, but he, he certainly n- nearly matches Kasumu um, for work rate. And, um, and he, as you say, he doesn't... I, be- I believe he's got a very, very good vision of pass on him as well. Um, he likes to switch up the play. Um, he saw Harvey. Yeah, good range, definitely. He saw Harvey and um, Kessler a few times. And um, maybe with McEachran there, just, just for reassurance more than anything, especially on Saturday, maybe it's something he could probably drift further forward and uh, have his impact. Yeah, I completely agree. Um was there anything else you wanted to bring up from the Fleetwood game? Any other players that maybe caught your eye or maybe just in general where we're sitting in the table at the moment? Anything like that? Um, I, I, I do feel like Harvey um, on Tuesday, he had one of his better games. Um, he really had tried to beat his man and maybe that's one of the criticisms we've said previously on the pod, um, just to try and have that bravery and beat your man. And he, he did try. And a few times he, he put in some good deliveries and... I know, obviously, Mo being in the box, um, obviously, the surface didn't play well for him. But if he's in and around the box, you never know with Mo, do you? So, um, yeah, just a brief mention for Harvey. Um, and then, obviously, the, the back line is your usual back line, calm, collective, and uh, just doing their thing. Um, but as I say, yeah, overall, third in the table, level with Wigan. We can't really complain, can we? Absolutely. And I think, you know, as you mentioned with Harvey, I think his, a lot of Harvey's game in the last, say, eight, eight weeks or so, it's been built upon his solidity. But, you know, if we can get that driving force going forward as well, then that's just a bonus, isn't it? Um, I think that rounds us up nicely off in the, in the, uh, the last couple of weeks' games. Uh, we're now going to talk, have a quick break, and then we're going to be back to talk about the latest MK Dons accounts that have recently come out. <laughs> Right, welcome back to this week's episode. Um, a little bit of a different section now. Uh, we, the Every year, MK Dons release their full accounts uh, to Companies House and they're free to view online. Um, 
price of football, uh, Kieran Maguire, he, he always does really good review on the accounts. And I think it does show um, what sort of state the club in, how it's being run. And so these accounts are relate to last season. So from the June, uh, June 2021, uh, June 2020 to the end of June 2021. Um, so some key figures that have come out, obviously, we're, in terms of uh, there was COVID. So the overall turnover has gone gone from uh, 4.5 million the season before to last season, just 3.8 million. So that's down 16%. Uh, the day-to-day losses of the club, um, even though we uh, had a reduced uh, turnover, we actually did manage to cut our losses. So they, they were down by 500,000. So we were losing uh, 3,000. Uh, last year, we lost 3.3 million. Uh, however, last year, we only lost two, well, I say only, we lost 2.8 million. And for those interested, that is worth, um, that's worth about 53,000 a week. So that's money that the club has to find somewhere. And that's just paying the general wages of players and, and things like that, uh, just, so, uh, just so you guys know. Um, we've also then got uh, the wages. Uh, the wages were cut by 20% last um, last season. So obviously, I think we, we saw that the, the wage bill was trimmed quite a lot and we were told about the salary cap and these sorts of things. So, you know, again, it's just uh, it goes a bit further just to make the club a bit more sustainable. Um, we actually spent uh, about 500k on player purchases. So included in those player purchases, I think, will be the likes of um, O'Reilly coming in in January. Um, you've got the likes of Charlie Brown, Zach Jules, Harry Darling. Um, and so, and uh, and uh, any other Ross, any others Ross I've not missed out there? Uh, Bailey Cargill, maybe? Summer and ja- <laughs> uh, the players we bought that is so oh, last Paul, summer or this January. Um, I think that covers it. You put me on the spot. I think that here. covers it. <laughs> I think that covers it. Moving swiftly on. Um, and then we've also got player sales of 2.3 million. Now, that, that's the key, key part there. The, uh, the 2.3 million player sales. This is the first season where we're actually starting to really see the, you know, the, the sales of players actually make an impact on our on our accounts. And with that, you, with that 2.3 million sales, those players cost us 250k, and we've made two point, and we got 2.3 million for the players that we sold. So those are going to be Alex Gilby. It's going to be Regan Paul. It's going to be um, it's going to be Reese Healy. Um, it's going to be Richard Keogh as well. So yeah, it just goes to show that you know we we are being very sensible in the transfer market, and we're getting a good you know good good rub of the green in it. Um, in terms of profit and loss, then so as I said, the club did make an operating loss of two point eight million. However, some of these losses have been parked in in the group of uh, accounts uh, parent company, which is the Stadium MK, who who, who own the club, um, and the. The profit on player sales was 2.1 million, as I've previously said. So, in in cash terms, the the club has gone some way to reduce the the deficit of 53,000 a week. However, that 2.1 million does not cover it because um, a lot of the uh, in the accounting terms, there's been a ta- positive tax on loss. But essentially, what's happened there is uh, administrative costs have been parked in MK Don's parent company which therefore gives us a profit of the year of 950,000 however 
I think a lot of that is clever accounting and actually um, costs being parked in different parts of the business. Um, so, yeah, I think just a couple of things to note then. Uh, obviously, match day incomes, it was was way, way down. In the 1920 season, we only had, um, uh, we, we had, what, 30 games or so? So we, we played till about February, I think, until we, until we stopped going. And we made two million that season in match day receipts. However, in the 2021 season, it was just 698,000. So, you know, real, real low down. Um, and I think you might have iFollow included in that as well. Uh, unfortunately, employees have, have, have been cut down as well. Um, and uh, the, the club also made use of the furlough scheme, which I think Pete's come out and said how, how it's um, really helped the club. Um, another, another quick thing to note as well is we actually have um, a potential 615,000 on the accounts in potential add-ons. So I think this you know, may relate to players such as Jules or Darlin, um, maybe O'Reilly at the time of, of recording um, about how things that uh, players that when we sign them, they had, you know, if they got to a specific number of appearances or if they... Um, they reached a certain amount of goals. There would be add-ons that would be payable to, um, to to other to other teams. So, you know, a couple of the main takeaways for me are: it's good that the club's getting the wage bill down and in a bid to make us more sustainable. And with full crowds this season, you'd like to hope that the turnover, the wages to ratio, uh, wages to turnover ratio is going to be a lot more healthy next year. Um, it's good to see that our player trading model is really starting to, you know, start get rolling. But it's still leaving the company at a deficit so you know although yes we are getting in this money for these transfers it's not as easy as just saying right we've got two million in transfer fees let's go out and spend two million because there's a big black hole to fill and uh, at the moment that last season that big black hole was fifty three thousand pounds a week now i don't know about you but i don't have that sort of money sitting around so you know i think um it's really good what william sweeten and pete they're trying to do we're being a lot more clever and hopefully we can, uh, you know, every year we're getting those, you know, one or two maybe big sales, but then we're reinvesting the money. And I think it's clear to see from these accounts that, you know, the previous season, I think we only spent about 200K on players, whereas now that's that, that's almost doubled. And we're starting to see the fruits of, 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 of that as well. So overall, obviously, they're not great, the accounts. We're, we're not making money, we're losing money, but... I think they were definitely heading in the right direction. And I think it just shows that the club is, is in good hands and there's not too much to worry about. Um, quick apologies if I have bored anyone to tears with that, but um, I just thought it was something that we could maybe just have a quick note on. We'll be back shortly for part three, which will be our Ipswich Town preview. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Hi there and welcome back to part three of the, this week's MK1 podcast. Uh, we're now on to our match preview uh, link. And so looking ahead to the weekend, there will be over 7,000 Ipswich fans coming to Stadium MK. Um, so that's going to be good fun, I'm sure. Um, but it's going to be an interesting one, I think, because Ipswich are doing rather well at the moment. Their form is is around third or fourth best in the league for the last 10, 15 games. Their 
a steady team. You know, at the start of the season, they were pretty much everyone. Yeah, they're going up automatically. They're the best team in the league. But it hasn't really clicked until fairly recently. Um, they've played 31 games a season. They've won 13, drawn eight and lost 10. Um, they've conceded 38 goals in that time, but, um, but they have scored 49. So only a few teams have actually scored more than them. Uh, so they've got a pretty decent uh, goal difference. They're currently sat on 47 points, which as it stands is six points outside the playoffs and nine points away from ourselves in third place. So, you know, it's a real opportunity, I feel, to either extend that gap to 12 or all of a sudden there are only a couple of wins away from us. So I don't think we should underestimate the importance of the game coming up on Saturday. In terms of Ipswich's uh, recent form, um, well, in, in, in terms of just recent uh, in general, they've uh, obviously parted with Paul Cook, who, who started the season, and they've uh, brought in uh, the ex-Manchester United uh, one first-team coach, Kieran McKenna, who, who was under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, so, you know, pretty interesting appointment, to be honest, given that, given that you know, he, he's, it's his first job in senior management. But, you know, like we've seen with Liam Manning, sometimes, uh, you know, the, these risks do pay off if, if for people that are good coaches. Uh, under Kieran McKenna, they've been playing more of a three in the back formation and it's actually been going fairly well for them. And I think one of the key things with Ipswich in recent times um, isn't necessarily their goal scoring. Um, this, this season, they average 1.58 goals per game. But in the last eight games, they've actually only averaged 1.38 but the difference is the goals conceded. They, they're averaging, they, they've only conceded four goals in the last eight games. Whereas for the whole season, they're averaging well over one goal a game being conceded. So I think one thing that Kieran McKenna has clearly done since he's come in is tightened up that defence. Um, another thing as well is they weren't necessarily losing loads and loads of games in the middle part of the season, but they were drawing quite a few in their last... Um, eight games. They've actually won six of them. They have actually lost two games in that period, but they've only they've only but they've won six, and so that's the important thing. Um, quite a few of their wins have been tight games. Um, games like uh, Ipswich, they played against Gillingham, won one nil. They won one nil away to Doncaster. So, you know, they're not necessarily playing teams off the park, but they're getting the job done. And I think that when you've got players that are clearly just too good for League One you know I think Ross is you're going to come on to mention some in a minute I think that that's just it's it's, it's almost like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United not particularly dominating the play but you've got individuals that are just better than the other team so naturally you're going to win more games than you lose um, but whenever they have played against some top teams um, they did lose to Sheffield Wednesday they did lose to Bolton um, but they did beat Wickham 1-0 as well. So they, ha they have been able to get some results against bigger teams. Um, but a lot of their good results have been, you know, they, they've not lost to a team 17th or below. However, they've only won, they've only won twice for teams that are in 10th uh, and above. So I think that just tells you where their strengths lie and where their you know, weaknesses are, perhaps. I think it's going to be really interesting seeing them play, uh, seeing us come up against another three at the back formation. Um, I think it, it could almost be a game where it's very, very tight in, and it's uh, both teams are almost cancelling each other out. And I think it, I very much do think it will be a moment of quality that can win this. And I think that it's going to be a very high quality game. Uh, unfortunately, Ross couldn't make the game 
in the away game uh, this season at Portman Road. But the one thing that struck me was, you know, we were so disappointed to come away having only drawn that game. But when you actually looked at their two goals, they were two moments of pure quality. We may have had the better of it in general play, but, you know, they can really can. I know we say it about a lot of teams, but this team more than any, they can score out of nothing. They can score out of nothing. Then they've got about eight players on the pitch that are able to do that. And Ross, I know there's a couple of players you'd wanted to highlight ahead of uh, Saturday's game against Ipswich. Yeah, you mentioned about um, Ipswich's defensive record. Um, they brought in Christian Walton, a goalkeeper, on loan from Brighton. Um, he's a good shot stopper and um, one in terms of his ability, he's probably one of the best in one of the best in the division. Um, and I think this stat, which I'm about to say, just proves this. Um, Former Kenner. They kept two clean sheets in 15. And then since Walton's came in, he's played uh, eight games and he's kept five clean sheets. And yes, we, we don't necessarily we don't necessarily uh, rely on goalkeepers all the time, but it's it's handy when you've got play, uh, people like come in for us um, and Walton and for Ipswich and uh, making key saves. Um, and yeah, it all starts at the back of my eyes. If, if you've got a good... good Solid keeper, you're, you're, you're bound to keep clean sheets. Um, but the other player I just wanted to mention was a player who I don't believe should be in this division. I believe he's a championship player. Um, it's Bertson to Selena. Um, he plays just behind the striker. Um, and his pedigree says a lot about him. He started his career at Man City, went through the youth ranks all the way up to the under-23s. And then he had a few loan spells at FC Twente. Um, and then... He featured um, for Ipswich in his first spell um, in the championship. And that's where he really started to find his feet. And um, I believe he then went on to went on, went on to um, Swansea, um, who bought him on the permanent. And he's made over like 73 appearances for them in two years. And then I believe in the second year, they went, they reached the playoff final. So he does carry calibre. Um, so when... Um, Ipswich did get him back on loan. I was really surprised because of um, his ability on the ball, from especially dead ball. Um, he, it's incredible for this division. Um, and I think his stats show that. Um, four goals, four assists in 12 starts. Yes, he hasn't played many games, but eight goal contributions in 12 starts, you can't really fault that. Um, and if he does start um, at the weekend, he's... He's certainly one we should be keeping our eye on, especially um, if Coventry gets anywhere near him. It's going to be a very key battle in the game. Yeah, and I think there's some key battles all around the pitch. Personally, I wanted to highlight um, Wes Burns. I think Wes Burns, he's one of them players where when they first signed him, I thought, really, Wes Burns? He's like all right for Fleetwood and he's a decent league one player. But I think maybe that's what, kind of what Ipswich need. And he's been really good for them by all accounts. He's, you know, he's now playing wing back in that system. When we played at Portman Road earlier on in the season, he was playing a right winger. So he's, he's got, he's good going forward and he's got, um, he's got some good numbers this season. He's got seven goals and three assists in 20 starts. So one of their better players this season. And I think, you know, up against Dan Harvey, we've been saying about how solid Dan Harvey has been. But actually, I think this is an opportunity to get in behind him. Because he's not going to be a wing back that's sitting back and you know and and maybe being more conservative. I think he is going to go for us, and I think that that, that offers an opportunity because you know I think we've really got to take 
any opportunities we can and gain any small margins we can because you know I think the likes of Wolfenden, uh, George Edmondson in defence. You know, I know Ross, you've mentioned the keeper, but less. You know, they've got a few uh, few hundred thousand worth of defender in front of them as well. Um, so it's a very finely poised game, and I think you know Ipswich are a good team, and at the start of the season, especially Ipswich were losing or not winning a lot of really tight games where the previous goalkeeper was making some absolute howlers. You mentioned the two clean sheets in fifteen. I remember seeing. You know, uh, some of the some of the goals they conceded were absolutely awful. And uh, if you remember, actually, the goal that where we equalised against Ipswich, it only came because of a dreadful playing out from the back incident. So, you know, if Ipswich, which they look to have done, have ironed out those issues, I think that yeah, they could be one to watch. Them and Sheffield Wednesday are the two that are maybe making a late charge, and you know, maybe teams like Wickham, Plymouth ourselves of course you know we've just just got to be wary just got to be wary um anything else you wanted to add on Ipswich or are you ready to move on to your predicted starting 11 Ross I'm, I'm ready for the uh, lineups all right go on then you, I'll let you go straight in straight in um I, I do believe this is one of our biggest games of the season so far just in terms of where we're at now um if we are to push on uh I'd arguably say a point or three points is a must. I don't believe we should be losing this game in terms of the quality we've got. Um, but I'll just run through my lineup. Um, obviously, the usual uh, coming in goal. He's, he's going to be an outstanding loan signing by the looks of it. Um, and then I've gone with the usual back three of uh, Was, Darling and Louie. Um, I don't feel like you can change that at all, especially at this stage of the season. Um, and then... Right wing back, I've gone with Tanai Watson. Um, I think he's a bit more reassuring at the back. Um, I feel with Kessler, um, we did see moments where he got caught on his feet or too much ball watching, but he, that will come with experience. So that's not a dig at him. Um, that's just going to come with time. So um, defensively, I'd go with uh, Watson because on the counter-attack, we will uh, we will have to track back, and I, I do feel like tonight does that a lot better. And then in the middle of the park, I've gone with um, Coventry and Josh McEachran. I do believe the only reason why McEachran was dropped from Smith on Tuesday was just to keep him fresh for Saturday. Um, and yes, it's, it's the right choice on Tuesday. Um, and for Matt Smith, it's just a case of easing him in, um, getting him used to surroundings, and... Um, getting a few minutes under his belt when when the right time. And then I've gone with Dan Harvey down the left, usual. Um, and then I've gone with Theo back in the lineup. Theo, um, again, was obviously benched, but I feel like this is a game for him. Um, we've seen what Theo's like. He likes to attack his man. And um, we mentioned how, obviously, Ipswich play three at the back. So there is going to be space there. And if Theo gets in that space... We know what he can do in the final third. And then, obviously, on the other side, I've got Twine. Obviously, Twine at the moment, we saw his free kick, um, delivery for the free kick for Harry Darling's header. It was spot on. Um, let's hope he can chip him for even more goals this season. Let's hope he can get his 10 goals, 10 assists. That's that's something in itself. Double-double. Double. Yeah, a double-double. I believe Scott Fraser done it um, for us as well. I might be wrong, though. Um, and then um, Mo, 
Mo Issa up top. I do believe uh, this is a game for him. Um, it's going to be, as you say, very tight. And I do believe if Mo gets in and around that box in them tight situations, I fancy my chances him to put it in the back of the net. I know I mentioned about um, earlier about Parrot, um, obviously needing a goal, but obviously him starting on Tuesday, is it probably the right time to uh, drop him? We'll never know. We don't know. We'll probably see on Saturday. But yeah, that's my lineup, and uh, let's hope for the three points. Okay, I like it. I like it. Um, I've got two players different in my lineup. Um, so I have two gone with Cummins, uh, coming in goal, um, and then the same usual back three was uh, Harry Darling and Dean Lewington. I've kept Kessler Hayden in at right back. I think. Tonight had a few issues on Saturday. He got man of the match, and I was very a bit confused about that. I, I'm not sure I saw it personally. And I think kids, there was instances where the goal came down his side. Scully got in far too easy. Uh, Scully also got in second half, hit the hit the crossbar. And I just think Kessler Hayden, he's got that extra bit of recovery pace if needed. And also, I really think that you know. He's, he's been blooded in. He's got that first game out of the way. And I think, you know, now's time for him to show what he can do on a, well, I mean, Stadium MK is hardly a carpet at the moment, but I think it's it's like a bloody red carpet compared to that bog up in Fleetwood. Um, yeah, and, and then Dan Harvey um, at left wing back. Um, I too think Josh McEachran was just, you know, rested in with this Saturday game on Saturday in mind. So we've gone with Josh McEachran alongside Coventry, Coventry, who, as I mentioned, was my man of the match uh, in terms of a Don's perspective on Tuesday. I've gone with Theo back in. Again, you mentioned, um, we, we mentioned earlier about, you know, Theo, it, it just wasn't his game against Fleetwood. That ball was, if you're, no, I, don't, I can't remember many people actually dribbling past someone because the ball just wasn't going, you know, it just, it just wasn't happening. Uh, and Scott Twine, obviously, the other side. And the great thing with these guys is they can come inside and be quite tight with the striker, or they can really stretch that three-man defence. And if they're stretching that three-man defence and you've got midfield runners, yeah, it's going to be carnage. Um, my other difference is I've gone with Troy Parrott up front. I think Ipswich, they, you know, they will play out from the back. They're going to like to play out from the back. And I think that... While I think you're right in terms of Mo's probably more clinical, Mo's probably more dangerous in the box. I think that a lot of this game is going to be decided outside of the box. And I think it's going to be a slog. And I think, you know, I think it is going to be a very tight game. So I think just fine margins of, you know, not letting Ipswich grow into the game, not letting Ipswich be comfortable on the ball. And I think Troy, you know, is the guy. And I think as well, Troy, you know, Ipswich bringing 7,000 fans. I can see Troy Parrott scoring in like the 28th minute, running over and giving them all the big one. You know, I, I think Troy's going to thrive in a game like this. So, Troy's my man. Uh, so, yeah, any, anything to add on that? Do you want to disagree with me? Tell me how wrong I am. I, I completely agree with you in terms of, obviously, work rate. I do believe Mo and um, Troy, um, in terms of work rate, they, they match each other. We, we know both of them will run their asses off. Um, but as you say, Joe, if if you feel like the uh, the the all the play will be outside the box, well, fair enough to Troy then. Well, well, I guess there's only one way to find out. 
And I think there's only one thing left for us to do on this week's podcast, and that's a score prediction. Ross, do you want to kick us off? I, I do believe this is going to be a very tight game. Um, I feel like, as you said said earlier, we'll probably match each other. And um, I, I do feel like um, Twine will decide this game for some reason. I, he had a huge impact with that free kick at Portman Road. And it um, wouldn't surprise me if he tried to do it again. Um, seriously, he at the moment, Twine's he's an absolute joy to watch at the moment. And he's you can tell he's way too good for this league. And um, let's hope he shows that on the Saturday. And I, I do feel like we'll edge this one 1-0. One um, and it, it will be a massive clean sheet also. Nice, nice, nice. I will certainly take that right now. Um, I think, you know, I think this game is probably two of the best keepers in the league and two of the best number 10s in the league. And I think it's, you know, if one of the keep, one of the keepers has a weldy, I think that team wins the game. And I think both teams, goalkeepers are capable of it. I think Walton and Cumming are both capable of it. Um, I do think both teams will score because I think that each team, you know, they have talent in attack. But then again, Ipswich, they have not been very prolific in recent games, as I've said, they've only averaged a touch over one in their one goal scored in their last eight. That being said, I'm going for the Dons to edge it 2 1, and I will take that all day long. So, yeah, I think um, that rounds us off quite nicely. Um, I hope you guys have been uh, all right putting up with me for this week. Hopefully, Liam will be back for next week. Uh, thanks again for listening, and come on, you Dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.